Well, praise God. And again, good morning to those of you at the church, for those of you on Zoom and those of you on YouTube Live. It's so incredible that you guys are able to join us today. And praise God for each and every one of you. And as I reminded you last week, just remember, you know, that you may not be seeing certain people and that's probably because they're in, uh, maybe they are on watching on YouTube or maybe they have the church or vice versa. And so we just always want to remember our brothers and sisters that we don't see to uh, continue to pray for them. And, and hopefully we'll be able to see them, you know, all in person, or uh, maybe there'll be an all online event at some point, you know, something like that. But, you know, we are all one church. We're united in spirit. Um, I wanted to give you guys an update. I was able to do this with the group on Zoom when we were doing our five-minute fellowship. Um, as you can see, I'm back in Colorado. Last week, I mentioned that my family has decided to transition my dad to hospice. And I just felt the Holy Spirit, you know, just telling me there's going to be a lot to do. And so I came back last week. Um, here again, I'll probably be here maybe up until next Sunday. So I'll probably doing one, I'll be doing one more sermon online just because we are finished up a few meetings today and hopefully we'll get some caretakers lined up for my dad as my sister's going back to work. Um, and then my mom's kind of transitioning. She's going to, you know, be working less as well. And so there's just a lot of stuff going on. Um, I did not realize this process was uh, going to be so involved. And so thank you guys for your support, your grace and mercy, your prayers. Um, it's been a huge blessing. Um, so let me open us up in prayer now and then I'm going to transition uh, to our sermon, just wanted to give you guys kind of an update on what's going on um, with my family status and with me being out in Colorado. Lord Jesus, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you that you are a God that sees us, a God that provides. You are our everything. I thank you, Lord, that in times of blessings, in times of sorrow, that we can come to you, that we can we can pray, we can commune with you, we can be we can be so transparent when. Maybe there's times where it's difficult to do that, Lord, here on earth. And so I thank you that you are always with us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would guide my heart, my mind, my words, um, speak to me and through me as we just take a look at our faith today, Lord Jesus. And um, we get encouragement by what, we're, what your word says, God. And so we just pray all these things in your name. Amen. So there's this game that I play, and I don't know how many of you guys are even casual mobile gamers. Maybe there's something like Candy Crush, a game that you play when you have free time, but there's one that I have been playing for a while. And it's interesting that on a fairly regular basis, it actually might be a weekly basis, these reports come out based uh, on this game or how you're doing in this game. And Basically, it tells you kind of like who the top contributors are, who are the ones that have helped the most people, who have been there to also support kind of the leaders of the game as well. And it's interesting that based on this information, the leaders of the game, they start ranking players. And so on the lowest level, you'll have, uh, you know, kind of that ranking, you'll say like people that are very casual players, don't check in much, don't help others. And then at the top tier, it's kind of labeled those that can be trusted, those that are the highest contributors that are there to help people. And I started thinking about this, that, you know, we have so many examinations and tests and reviews that we go through as people, just like this game. And sometimes they're hard because we feel kind of judged, but whether it's your health, you go to the doctor and you get all kinds of tests done, whether it's blood work or a CT scan to see 
how you're doing. That's the whole point. No one goes to the doctor for fun. You go there to, to see how you're doing. If you have some ailment, if there's ways that you can improve your health in education, it's the same thing. I don't know if report cards are a little bit different, but I know growing up, you know, you got A, B, C, D, and like an F and, and hopefully no one got any F's, but these were ways that you could see how you were doing. And then you'd have, um, you know, meetings with uh, your professors, or if you're younger with your teachers, your conferences with your parents to see how you're going to track things, hopefully with the goal of improving, of getting better, of excelling at whatever you're doing. And I started thinking about this in terms of our Christian faith. And you may not realize this, but we are told to examine and test ourselves, ways to see how we are doing with our Christianity. I have three verses that I didn't include in the slides. These are ones that I kind of just put together the other day for my intro. And the first one is 2 Corinthians 13.5. It says, test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? So as Christians, we have to test ourselves. We want to see how our faith is, because if we truly believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we have Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us, unless you fail that test. 1 Corinthians 11, verses 28 and 29. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. This is referring, referring to communion. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. This is why pastors tell you or encourage you that before you take the elements, the grape juice and the bread, we ask you to pray. We ask the Holy Spirit to reveal that there is any unrepentant sin in our hearts. We don't want to take communion with the wrong mindset, with the wrong heart. And then Lamentations 3 verse 40. Let us examine our ways and test them, and let us return to the Lord. This verse telling us that maybe we're getting a little astray. Maybe our faith is wandering. So we have to examine and test ourselves and then return to the Lord. And so I want you guys to think about this because I don't think in my Christian walk, I've ever heard a pastor say, you need to really evaluate and examine your faith based on what the Bible says. And what's so incredible is that there are actually some really good criteria in the Bible to do this. And so we are challenged as Christians to test our faith, to examine it, to take a look, to see how we are doing as Christians. And so today we start, I believe it'll be about a three-part series that asks that question, how are you doing as a Christian? Because if we don't ask that question, of ourselves, how are we going to grow? How are we going to know how we are doing? What if there are things that we are doing that are completely sinful, but we just assumed they were good things to do? Because if something is good, does not mean that it is God. Again, if something is good, it doesn't mean it's God. And there's this incredible place in Romans where Paul gives us a great kind of measuring stick about our faith and how we're doing. And it's Romans 12, verses 9 through 21. So I'm going to read the verse, uh, these verses in their entirety, but we're going to hit 
Today, we're going to be focusing on uh, really verses 9 and 10 only, and then we'll be moving on over the next couple of weeks. So again, Romans 12, verses 9 through 21. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual favor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to eat or give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Again, we're going to be focusing on verses 9 and 10. And the first, uh, let's see here, I guess it'd be the first four verses here. So 9 through 13. Um, these verses are really geared towards Christian behavior towards other Christians. And then verses 14 to 21, they're more about our relationship as Christians with the outer world. So again, the first section is about our relationship with other Christians. And I think as we go through this, it'll make sense because our perspective and how we interact with other Christians is different than how we interact with the world because the world is going to treat us very different than other Christian brothers and sisters should be treating us. And so the fundamental principle engaging how you are doing as a Christian, as we see in, this, uh, in this ver these verses in Romans, is if and how you agape or sacrificially love others. Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and with all of your mind. He prefaced all, right? All, not part. All, 100% with everything that you have, we need to love God and we have to love our neighbor. Verse 38, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. In other words, the law and prophets, we find those, it's the Bible. So the Bible hangs on our ability to love God and our ability to love others. That's the measuring stick. That's the gauge on how we are doing as Christians. But as Paul teaches us, the love that we need to have as others, as Christians, it is not 
any kind of ordinary love. The word that Paul uses here is agape, and we've talked about this several times before, that this is a sacrificial love. The best example is Jesus on the cross. Jesus gave his life willingly for us. He took on our sins. He became sin. He became that which the Father, God, hates. Jesus did that because he loves us. He loves us sacrificially. So our love as Christians must be sacrificial, which is only possible through belief in God and the power of the Holy Spirit. We see that reinforced in Romans 5, 5. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who is who was given to us. And the Gala- and Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, and that's agape love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. But Paul, he takes this concept of loving a step further. He tells us that love is not only sacrificial. It's not just agape love. Love must also be sincere. So now we're saying we need to sacrifice for others. That's how we show our love. But now we need to do it sincerely. And so let's talk about this. What exactly does it mean to be sincere? What is sincerity? It is being free from pretense, deceit, or hypocrisy. Basically, it can't be fake. So our sacrificial love, we have to mean it. Don't do it if you don't really mean it. One author said this, it is important to understand that sincerity is not a virtue in and of itself. A person can be sincerely wrong. Just because someone someone sincerely believes in Martians doesn't mean that there is uh, extraterrestrial life exists. So just because you believe you are sincerely expressing Christian love doesn't mean that you are. Sincere Christian love must be based on how God calls us to love and live. Again, sincere Christian love or how we love others or are called to love others must be based on how God calls us to love and live. So let's spend some time and let's talk about what does agape, sacrificial love, look like when it is expressed sincerely. Paul gives us guidance on this in Romans 12, 9 through 21. We read that earlier, and it is, again, a great gauge or barometer or measuring stick on what it looks like to express sacrificial love sincerely. And we have several definitions because I think truly understanding this concept of sincere sacrificial love, we need to understand the terms based on the original languages. So we have to understand the Greek because our English definitions are slightly different and maybe in some ways completely different. So there's gonna be several definitions here. And so the first one, 
is hate. And that's a strong word. And there's not a lot of places in the Bible that, you know, we hear about hate. The number one is that we know that God hates sin. And so it should not surprise us that hate here is related to evil. So to hate something is to have a vehement dislike for something. It's showing a strong feeling towards something. It's uh, it's forceful, passionate, or intense. It is this complete dislike for something. You cannot stand it. It is the worst possible thing for you to be around. It is the worst possible thing for you to think about. That's what hatred is. And so what is it that we hate? We're told that we have to hate evil. And when you look at evil, the definition in the original Koine Greek, it's pertaining to that which is morally or socially worthless, wickedness, being bad, vicious, or degenerate. But the evil that we need to hate, it's not arbitrary, and it's not based on what the world thinks is bad. And this is really important because there's so many things that we think are evil and wrong, but maybe God does not. So the evil that we need to hate, it's based on what God says through his word and how he thinks. And we know that through the Bible. So evil, it's immorality. It's wickedness. It's sin. It is a lack of goodness according to God's word. So evil is actions and behaviors that lack God. That's the key here. It's not what society says is evil and wrong and wicked. It's what God says. That is a completely different thing. So we need to hate what God hates. But we don't just hate evil. Scripture tells us that we need to cling to good. And again, there's a few definitions we need to understand. Clinging is to join closely or bind closely. The example I had in my mind is imagine, and we've probably seen, you've probably seen this in Western movies and, and sometimes comedies, that someone will be hanging on a ledge. And you probably wonder, that's not very funny, but I've seen it like on the Roadrunner and, and, and things like that. But imagine you are hanging on the edge of a cliff and you're about to fall to your death. And then someone comes around, they reach out and they give their arm to you. They reach out their hand and they're trying to pull you up. You are going to cling to them as if your life depends on it, because it does. You're going to be clinging onto them for dear life. And that's the concept here. We are to cling to something as if our life depends on it. And that thing that it depends on is good. And good is defined as meeting a high standard of quality. But just like evil, that high quality, the good that we are to cling to, it's not arbitrary. It's not based on what the world thinks. Again, good does not equal God. So good in this case, it is completely based on what God says and how God thinks according to the Bible. One commentator said this, this principle is practiced when we are able to detest an evil act while practicing compassion towards the one 
who has done it. In other words, we are to hate the sin, but love the sinner. Earlier, I mentioned that the definition of a sincerity is being free from pretense, deceit, or hypocrisy, not being fake. This is so important to keep in mind because as Christians, we don't want to give in to evil because society says it is loving to do so. I'm sure there's a lot of things you could think so where the world tells us, hey, embrace this. Hey, this is great. This is loving. But according to God, it's not. And we have to be careful that we don't give in to evil just because society tells us something is loving. To sincerely and sacrificially love someone sometimes means being willing to say the hard things, even if it hurts someone's feelings. Even God chastises those he loves. Hebrews 12, 6, and I love the way the NLT puts it. It might put it in the most blunt of words. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. I don't know if people ever think about that, that there are consequences for our sins, for our actions. But we are also called to be devoted to one another and love. Got a few more definitions for you. What exactly is devotion? And most of these, you know, these terms, I think we have a general idea, but the whole point in understanding the Greek and the Hebrew is that you really understand the context of what they are talking about when the Bible was written, because languages change over time. And so that's why it's important for us to go through some of these definitions. And so devotion, it's loyalty. It's being very loving towards someone as one is towards family members. That's not the definition I would have found in, in, a, in a dictionary, but that's the de definition you find when you look at the Greek, that it's the love you have, let's say in a healthy family, the love that you have towards family members. And here's what's interesting, that in this verse, in this part, when we are told to love one another in love, the definition, the, the word itself, love, used here, it is not agape, it's Philadelphia. It's, you, it's a different word, and that's why it's important to understand that one love does not equate to the second. So now Paul switches, and Philadelphia, and this is where it fits in perfectly here with being very loving towards family members, devotion, it means brotherly or familial love. So it's not agape. Here, it's not the sacrificial love. That's already part of what we need to do. That's part of the measuring stick is sacrificial love. But now we're told that we need to be devoted to one another the way that healthy family members love each other. That's why you hear Christians refer to other Christians like their family. Brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, that's what it comes from. It's that love. It's that familial love that we are to have for one another. We also need to honor one another above ourselves. The original Greek word for honor, it meant to put a price or value on something. 
So we need to treat other believers. And again, remember, this section of verses is talking about believers. It's not talking about non-Christians. It is talking about how we relate to other Christians. So we are to treat other believers as if they have higher value than we do, that they cost more than us. There's a higher value. In other words, we need to prioritize others. But there's a caveat here, and that is this does not mean that we completely neglect ourselves. It means in situations and circumstances, we need to think of others before we think of ourselves. So if you're in a situation, let's say it's a tough, frustrating situation with someone else, as Christians, if we are sacrificially and sincerely loving others, we need to think, how is this situation or how am I affecting this other person? Not, this is how it makes me feel, or I'm upset, or I'm bothered by that. That's the complete flip-flop of what sacrificial and sincere loving is. We need to think about how are we affecting others. But unfortunately, we tend to think, this is bothering me. This is affecting me. I don't like this. If you're doing that, you are failing this test. You are failing this examination of how you are doing in the faith. We need to put others first. But this is what's so incredible about this. Paul says, honor one another. This means each believer should be prioritizing the other believer above themselves. The ESV version of the Bible, it says, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo, that means going above and beyond. Try to beat the other person in how much you are respecting them and prioritizing them. Imagine what the world would look like, what the church specifically would look like if Christians interacted this way. And I believe the reason why this part is focused on Christians is how can we get along with the world? How can we share the gospel message sincerely from our hearts if we can't even sincerely prioritize other believers in the church? I believe that's why. Paul did it this way. He's saying, you need to be sure that you can love other believers who are supposed to have the same morals, the same mindset as you. You need to do that first, because if you cannot do that, there's no way you're going to be able to leave the church building and share the gospel message to a dying world sincerely, unless you can start and you can do this at home. And this isn't a new concept. We see this throughout the Bible. Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Prioritize others above yourself. Ephesians 5 verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
submit to one another, not one person submit to the other person. They don't do anything else. No, both submit to each other, prioritize each other, serve each other. And then 1 Corinthians 10, verse 24. Let no one seek his own good, but that of his neighbor. How incredible is that? It's throughout the Bible, we are not only told to examine and test how our faith is going, but we are told to sacrificially and sincerely love others. And really at the heart or the basis of the next couple of weeks as we are talking about this kind of self-examination or this barometer or test of how is our faith doing? It is all based on love. So maybe in a way you could say that the next three weeks we're going to be talking about, are we truly loving others, both Christians and non-Christians, the way God is calling us to? And that is a great measure of where your faith is at. And this isn't an easy concept. I don't think anybody, you know, wants to feel like they're judged in their Christian faith. But we are told here that that is exactly what we do. We're not judging it. We're examining it. And we have to be honest with ourselves and say, hey, I am doing tremendous. I am all in. I am committed. I am contributing to the kingdom. Or are you just like my game? Are you the low level where it's kind of like, hey, you're a casual Christian. When it's convenient for you, you read the Bible. When it's convenient for you, you'll obey what God tells you to do. But it's only on occasion. You know, maybe you're the Christmas and Easter Christian. I hope all of you have a desire to be the total contributor, to be the one that is totally committed to their faith, to be sold out for Jesus. I hope each of you desires that. Today, we're not going to end with, you know, all the specifics of how do we do this or, or what should we do? I want to end by encouraging you to pray and ask God through the power of the Holy Spirit, because on our own, we cannot do this. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us to prepare your hearts and your minds, because we know that our faith, our belief in God, our trust in God is all about head and heart. It's both working together to prepare your hearts and minds, and then ask God to develop in you a heart and a mind that truly wants to agape or sacrificially love others. I want to encourage you to do that this week. Do it tonight. Say, God, Holy Spirit, help me prepare my mind and my heart for change. Help me develop that sacrificial heart, that sacrificial and sincere love for others. Ask God to help you with that. And if you're bold and you're brave and you're courageous and you are, man, sold out and ready to just you know, go and transform the world in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. If you are that person, then as you're praying, ask God to do whatever it takes for God to help you to love others the way God wants you to love. 
And I put that at the end and I said, only if you're bold and brave, because when you're at that place, when you can say, God, whatever it takes for your will to be done, just like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he said that, you know, Lord, if this cup can be taken from me, you know, please take it. But then Jesus says, but your will and not my will be done. And look what happened. He gave his life because that was God's will and he did it for us. So I threw out that dangerous prayer at the end. But boy, if you're at that place where you can say that honestly and truly to God, it is incredible. It's transformational. But it's a dangerous prayer when you say, God, whatever it takes. Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would help us. Help us to be the kind of Christians that would say, whatever it takes, Lord Jesus, for your will to be done, whatever it takes to transform my heart and my mind to truly sacrificially and sincerely love others, help me, Lord Jesus, to do that. Lord, help us not only to be individuals who talk the talk, but walk the walk, that when we say we love our brothers and sisters and we love people that, Lord, don't know you at all, that we truly love them. Help us to mean it in our heads and our hearts, Lord Jesus. Let us be known as a church that truly loves, not as the world says to love or how the world says to love, but how you say to love, Lord Jesus. Help us to be those people. Help us to be the Christian brothers and sisters that you have called us to be. Lord Jesus, I pray that we will do whatever it takes to be more righteousness, to move towards holiness. Lord, I pray that if there is anyone, Lord, that is struggling with their relationship with you, Lord, which gets in the way of loving others and loving you, Lord, 100%, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would start to manifest in such a way that you would burn their hearts, that they would desire each and every day more and more to reach out for you. Lord, help us to make you our 100%. Help us to give all of us, all of ourselves to you. Help us not to hold back. Help us to trust you 100% completely with whatever you have in store for us. Help us to not be afraid, Lord, this week hearing from people how fear is what keeps them from giving all of themselves to you fear of what they have to change, fear of what they may lose. Holy Spirit, help us to not have that fear because we know that perfect love, that perfect love that comes from you, it casts out fear. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you. Lord, help us to want to serve you with all of our hearts. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, praise God. I hope this week each and every one of you praise that prayer. I hope we just really start to see a change in each and every one of our hearts and minds to, to truly sacrificially and sincerely from what God says sincerity is to truly love one another. We don't have, really have one announcement this week, and then I want to uh, just pray for our time of offering. And so this coming Wednesday, we're going to have our last virtual lunch of the year. Um, 
we'll see kind of what transpires next year, but as we're heading into the holidays and things, just wanted to kind of, you know, take a break from that. Thank you all. We've been doing this, man. We've been meeting. I think uh, we started out almost every week that we transitioned to every other Wednesday. We've been doing this for almost a year and a half. So thank you guys. It's been an incredible time to get to know those that have been able to participate in just a greater way. Um, also, I'm looking at some different ideas. I want to shift and maybe have more of a weekly or, or bi-monthly event on a Wednesday evening, kind of like we've done Bible studies in the past, but this might be more of a fellowship thing. So that's another reason I wanted to kind of shift gears away from our Wednesday lunch. So information will be coming out about that. Um, if you uh, have already given your tithes, uh, if you haven't, this is kind of a time that I want to focus just like we would if we were in person to just pray over the tithes and offerings that are given. And as I've mentioned before, if you have never given, if it's not something that is part of how you live out your faith, I want to encourage you. I, I want to challenge you, you know, to do something that you haven't done before. This is one of the ways that we sacrificially, because we are sacrificing, even though everything we have is God and God scripture tells us is the one who allows us to make wealth, to produce money. It's because of God. And so ultimately everything is God, but it is a sacrifice. People look at it that way. And so I want to encourage you to think about how you love God sacrificially and sincerely. And tithes and offerings are an opportunity to love God sacrificially and love God sincerely. And so I put that challenge, I put that encouragement out there. If there is anyone that isn't um, giving your tithes and offerings to God as a way to worship him. But let me pray. Um, Lord Jesus, thank you. Lord, thank you for how you've loved us, Lord. And thank you for your love, Lord, um, coming through how you provide for us. Lord Jesus, it is an incredible thing, Lord, when we can put our complete trust in you for our provision, Lord Jesus, that when we're serving you, Lord, obviously we, we need to do things on our own, Lord, when we are, you know, working, but you are there, you allow us to be able to work, Lord Jesus. And so, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would um, just bless, Lord, what is being given, Lord, to your church, church through tithes and offerings, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would give us discernment, Lord, into where we put funds, Lord Jesus. I pray that as we are, Lord, really starting planning for 2022, Lord, help us to know, Lord, whether it's different ministries, Lord, or uh, different missions, opportunities, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would help us, Holy Spirit, give us discernment on where these blessings through tithes and offerings go. Lord Jesus, if there is anyone, Lord, that, you know, just giving their tithes and offerings, it's a hard thing to do. Lord, maybe they are just overthinking it, or Lord, maybe they're holding so tightly to it, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would burden their heart, that you would let them know, Lord, that you are our ultimate provider, Lord. Thank you, Lord, again, for everything that you are doing in our church and you're doing within us. We pray this in your name. Amen.